This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of Press One for Nick. Your host, Nick Limsdahl, is the Director of Contact Center Solutions at VDS. Through conversations with customer service and customer experience leaders, Nick and his guests exchange insightful stories, best practices, and invaluable lessons they have learned along the way. Welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast. My name is Nick Limsdahl. My guest this week is Ryan Hawk. Ryan is the host of the Learning Leader Show. It's been listened to by millions of people in more than 150 countries. Forbes called it the most dynamic leadership podcast around. Inc. Magazine also said it's one of the five podcasts to make you a smarter leader. He's also the author of The Pursuit of Excellence, which we'll talk about today, and Welcome to Management. And last, he's the leadership advisor at Brixley and Meyer. Ryan, welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast. Uh, thanks for having me, Nick. Good to be with you. Yeah, I am looking forward to this one. Uh, one question that I ask every single guest at the very beginning is, what's one thing people might not know about you? <laughs> uh, I've been to over 50 Dave Matthews Band concerts. So I think a lot of people think that's very weird, and they're surprised when I tell them that. But uh, I'm going again this summer. So I don't know if a lot of people know that, although uh, I have used it recently as one of those weird things that people make fun of you about. <laughs> so if you could pick one song, the last song you go out and uh, what would it be? It would be a mashup of Gray Street and Dave's co- covering all along the Watchtower. I think that'd be a good closer to a show, which I've got to I hear. love it. I meet 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 another kind of Dave head every once in a while, but for the most part, I, their their fan base gets made fun of by a lot of people. So I'm like, <laughs> whatever. I just try to enjoy. I, I love live music in general, so I love going to shows. Yeah. My wife and I, it's one of the things we love to do. That just happens to be a band that I've followed since I was quite young. So it's cool to see them uh, grow and us grow along with them. That's awesome. Yeah. The one thing you might not know about me is I actually attended your in-person podcast with Jenny Britton Bauer. Uh, oh, you did? Was, did, yeah. did we talk? I don't think we actually connected, but I remember the conversation. I remember the, the caricature artist in the corner. I remember yeah, the ice cream at the end of it. Good, solid conversation, uh, packed house and well done, but uh, just popped in my head the, the connection. Wow. I mean, it's funny. That was the last one we did before the pandemic. And I have right. now two of those coming up. I'm doing one this Friday back at my alma mater at Ohio University with former CEO of Harley Davidson. He's also an OU grad like I am. So that'll be cool. Then I've, uh, I'm, uh, I don't want to announce the, the, the next one because we still have to finalize the details, but another one that's going to be pretty awesome coming up uh, in Atlanta, hopefully in a couple months. So I'm, I love those live shows, man. Those are a lot of fun to really get people together, to learn together, to do something a little bit different. Um, and then you know, we, we, we release them on the podcast feed too. So it's, it's pretty cool to, to do those. I'm excited to, to get back into the, the realm of, of doing live shows. Yeah, I thought it was a blast and it was a real creative way to to get people engaged, get the get their questions answered and get that that involvement. So I thought it was well done. It's a nice little mash of of physical and, and virtual conversations into into one. So keep doing those. Thanks, man. Thanks. Jen, I mean, it helps that helps that like my first live show was James Clear in Columbus. It was a year before Atomic Habits came out. So that obviously was pretty sweet. And then having Jenny Britton Bauer, you know, founder of Jenny Splendid Ice Creams, it helps to have pretty amazing guests like them. 
Exactly. Yeah. James Clear, he's just some, some small guy that not many people know about either. So, uh, <laughs> uh, it was great, but let's talk enough about those guys. Uh, let's talk about the book. I, I had the opportunity to, to read it, The Pursuit of Excellence, The Uncommon Behaviors of the World's Most Productive Achievers. There's a lot into this book of, and I just love the title right away, right? How do I pursue excellence? It's not pursuing happiness. It's, it's pursuing excellence. And I guess the first question I have for you is, is what does, what does excellence mean to you? Uh, to me, it's, it's about being better tomorrow than I am today. It's about going to bed a little bit wiser tonight than when I woke up this morning. Um, uh, I think I have high standards in general for myself and for the people closest to me and for the people that I choose to work with. I expect attention to detail. I expect resilience. I expect hard work. I expect consistency. I think all of those things combined lead to a standard of excellence. I also um, expect to improve myself. One of the things I like to tell people that I'm going to partner with or work with moving forward is if if I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, then today should be the worst that you ever see me. Now, that's a big if, uh, and I have to be consistent and committed to that. But that's what the pursuit of excellence is all about, is making that conscious commitment to yourself each day. And, and much like the overall realm of leadership, I think – you, you have, in order to be an excellent leader, I think you have to make that commitment to be on a pursuit of excellence, of, of leading yourself first before you can lead anybody else. And that's really what this work is, is all about. I'm continuing on beyond just this book about it. Um, I think that's just more of a way of life. Yeah, I would 100% agree with that. You know, when it comes to being a, a leader, what does, how does trust be ingrained into that? I mean, it's the foundation for relationships. If you don't have trust, I don't know if anything else matters. So I, I would just say that the the mindset of uh, there are some people who you know you have to really earn that trust, and others lead with trust. I, I learned from Jim Collins and Bill Lazier the making the trust wager. Right, I choose to trust people first. You do not have to earn trust with me. With that said, if um, when you lead and live life that way, every once in a while, someone may take advantage of you or you may get burned. If that happens, so be it. Um, it is harder to re-earn trust and regain trust once you break it with me because you don't have to do anything to earn it the first time. So I would say that's kind of how I choose to live. I like being surrounded and working with others who are trusting that way. Um, you mentioned in the intro about where I, who I was formerly working with, and they're amazing people, but I'm not currently working there. I'm working more partnered with a company called Insight Global. And the reason I mentioned that is because I, I originally met with one of their senior leaders, Sam Kaufman, and was working with him as more of a, an advisor, a, a, a really a lifting buddy, so to speak, as we call our relationship, and their CEO, Bert Bean. And we agreed to work together with a formal partnership over the course of not very long. Uh, a few conversations. We saw that we were aligned. We saw that we lead with trust. We saw that we believed in each other's mission and what we're doing. And a deal came together rather quickly. And I think those are my favorite types of deals. And those are my favorite types of people to to do work with, to be surrounded by, to partner with, where you both naturally are trusting individuals because you yourself are a trustworthy person. And so uh, that's that's why I think it, it has to be the foundation of pretty much every important relationship in your life. Yeah, it seems, it's interesting to me how you said 
over a couple conversations, you built this, this, this partnership. That, that's quite interesting. I mean, does it come down to the questions that you're asking? Does it come down to listening what that other person's saying? Like, how did that, how did you build so much trust in such a short period of time to know that you guys are all on the same page? I think, uh, you see that your values are aligned. You see that you're, you're kind of headed in the similar direction. I think it's part gut intuition of the way that you can kind of tell a fraud versus a genuine, authentic person. I think of the combination of those things. Now I'd worked with Sam for a year, so we have become friends. I've gotten to know him. He initially uh, reached out in the in need of a leadership coach, even though he didn't need a coach at all. I mean, these guys thriving and absolutely crushing it. I took on that role, even though it was uncomfortable for me because I didn't see any way I was going to be able to help him. I thought he was already well beyond me. Um, but we developed this mutual respect and kind of loving relationship and became friends and realized the value that we played in each other's lives. And then that led on to the, to the introduction to the CEO of the company, Bert Bean. And, and, and Bert just is a salt of the earth, authentic, giving, kind, a curious, really smart person. And so I, I think you could pick that up rather quickly. And once we came together, that's, that's when it was pretty cool. I mean, it's, that's how I love to do all deals. I know it may not be uh, realistic to think that all deals could be that smooth and that good and then have the after effect. We've been doing it now for almost a year. The after effect actually be better than what I expected. That's pretty rare, man. So in, in my, in my way, I just, I'm very grateful for the fact that, that that is, is how it works. But I'd like to think it's partially because if you work really hard as you're doing, you know, Nick, as you, you work really hard to put good stuff out into the world, to learn in public, to share, to ship work, to publish that hopefully it helps other people. And if you do it enough and you consistently are able to publish and, and do things that add value to people's lives, that's another way of, of you earning their trust um, without you even having had a conversation. I think that's part of what was going on in the background for years that um, has led to a lot of really cool opportunities for me. Yeah. Do you feel that when people are listening to your podcast, which I highly recommend, recommend every, every one of my listeners uh, listen to my episode and then immediately go to Ryan's uh, podcast and listen to his episode. But do you feel like they are, you're building trust with your audience based off of the questions you're asking your guests and the knowledge that you're bringing to them on a, on a weekly basis? I think so. I think consistency builds trust too. I've shipped every Sunday uh, at seven o'clock Eastern for seven, almost seven and a half years now. So I think they know what they're getting. They know that I, I've, my show, the learning leader show has become part of people's routines, whether it's washing dishes on Sunday night after family dinner, or it's their morning walk on Monday, or if they're commuting, it's their commute on a train, walking, bike riding, driving their car, whatever it may be, a part of their workout. I know that's a big, a big area where people listen. So I think the trust has been built through consistently adding value to people's lives for seven plus years and never missing. And I know life happens and people have to kind of take breaks and, and, and group their podcasts into seasons and take time off. I get it. You know, I just, that's just not me. Uh, for me, um, I'm committed to shipping every week and I have systems in place to ensure that that happens even when life gets messy or tough things happen or there's an immense amount of travel. So to me, um, 
I think consistency is a great way to de- to develop and build trust with with your audience is to speak directly to that that one person who's listening and do it every single week so that they know what they're getting. Uh, reliability, dependability, consistency, none of these words are sexy, but I do think they help develop trust. Just because they're sexy doesn't mean that they that you should continue to do them. Right? You got to build the foundation and have these micro moments to have the excellence in the future. And Yeah, I mean, I think I think regardless of your talent or or whatever you were born with, I think anybody can show up and work every day. I mean, that's a choice. And so that's where I'd like to think um, I, I, I try to do that every day, my best, uh, and, and give my best output each day when I show up for work. And hopefully the output of that is, is something that's valuable to others, whether I'm writing books or preparing for a speech or, or recording a podcast. I think all those things, all of that show, waking up and, and, and showing up to do work each day, that, that leads to that output, which then, again, hopefully is what adds value to people's lives. Yeah. From what I've heard so far, it seems like the mindset, um, having that mindset is important. So how does that what makes the mindset important when it comes to the success of, of, or future success? My mindset. I mean, to me, I, I, I follow what I'm most curious about. I think that's, that's helpful for me to, that makes the work. It's not easier, but I genuinely look forward to it. So for, for me, my, my mindset is what am I most curious about? What am I borderline obsessed with? And then that's kind of the direction that I head. And I found that, the people following see it seems to resonate with them. They seem to like that. The feedback I receive seems positive for the most part when they can tell I'm genuinely following my intellectual curiosity with great rigor. And I think that's an important part of like, that's just how my mind is wired right now is what am I most curious about? How can I connect people? How can I help people? How can I add value to their lives? Those are really the questions I'm asking myself and then trying to answer them each day with, with the work. I love the fact that it's not all about you. It's you're worth serving others as you continue to to grow your brand, your platform, and you're leaning into the success that you have and and growing the success to to be others to to have others be successful. And and that's something that I I continue to try to strive for is it's not just about bringing doing it all yourself. It's uh, you, you, everybody has or should have a, a mentor and you should also have mentees that you can uh, take the knowledge that you've learned from others and, and push them down. Uh, if it's your podcast, if it's books, or if it's sitting down and grabbing coffee with somebody else. And so I, I appreciate that, that you're continuing to give, give back to others. Well, I mean, that's, that's really the only way this works. Um, if you, if I view myself almost as like, like any product somebody would buy, if it does not add, and and they're and what they're paying me with is their most valuable resource. That's their time, right? A podcast is free. A book is essentially free. I mean, twenty bucks for what you get for it is the greatest investment in the history of investing. Um, is because somebody's poured their life into one little artifact, and you, it could change your life for only twenty bucks. It literally is the greatest investment of all time. So, my my kind of north star is how am I adding value to your life? You're giving me your most valuable resource. 
if I'm not consistently doing that, you're going to go somewhere else. You should go somewhere else. So everything is really pointed at that as like, what am I doing that's adding value to other people's lives? Whether it's a partnership with Insight Global or it's a book or it's a podcast or a speech, that's the, that is the central theme of every single thing I do. Now, it happens that my curiosity and the things that I'm into are hyper aligned with the things that now are adding value to people's lives. That's really nice. It took a long time and a lot of work to get here. But I think when you can find that alignment, that's when you can wake up and do this work seven days a week, which it is. It's a seven day a week thing. It's always has been. I would imagine it probably always will be mainly because it's what I want to do. If you gave me free time, this is what I would choose to do um, outside of, you know, obviously the stuff with my family. So I think that's that's part of it that's really helpful. Um, a, a one of viewing yourself as kind of like an economic product into the world and, and how is that product adding value to people's lives? And if it doesn't, they're gone and they should be gone. So to me, that has to be kind of the, the guiding light as I'm, as I'm progressing. And, um, I like that challenge. I love it. I think it's, I think it's a fun challenge. In a competitive market, does your customer service stand out from the crowd? One way to offer a better experience is by moving your contact center to the cloud. But with so many options to choose from, how do you know which solution is the best for both your business and your customers? That's where VDS comes in and guides you to the best solution. They understand your clients' pain points, business outcomes, and goals. Then VDS designs, implements, supports, and provides 24-7 managed services. From start to finish, VDS is committed to finding the best solutions for your clients' needs. To learn more, go to www.govds.com or find a link in the show notes. Yeah. From your perspective, what's the difference between success and excellence? So I think um, I've had deep conversations with one of my closest friends, Brooke Cops, who's a, one of the greatest basketball coaches of all time. What what we came up with is like success is, I don't mind the word, and I, and I I think some people think I don't like the word because of what I write about, but I don't I don't mind it at all. In fact, like I I completely get it. But success seems to be at least this comparison to other people. Whereas excellence for me is a comparison to my previous self. So I'm really focused on that. I'm not, I'm aware of what's going on in the world. I look, I learn from other people. I'm doing my best. But really what it's about for me is this, the pursuit of excellence is about, again, being a little bit wiser when I go to bed. This is a Charlie Munger quote, right? Being a little bit wiser when I go to bed than when I woke up. And if I consistently stack those days, day after day after day, all of that improvement, all of that growth, all of that learning, it compounds. It's really powerful. Compounding is like the most powerful force in the world. So if I, if I can actually do that, not just with my investments in my money, which I hope is happening too, and it, it you know that's that's important, but really with myself, my own habits, my own learnings, my own growth. My own being, like that needs to happen each day. So that's what excellence is. Whereas somebody might say success is, is a comparison with, with other people. To me, excellence is all about a comp- comparison of with myself and I need to be getting better each day. Yeah. I, I, I see the next book being Compounding Wisdom. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the, I love the fact of, uh, the thought of that, right? Is, is you're continuing to, those building blocks 
but you also have these cornerstones where that are important to you. And if without the cornerstones of, of the, of the foundation, you can't build on top of it. But, um, I, I just love that. You know, when it, I love the fact when it talks about pursuing excellence, if you could give advice to my listeners right now, what's the best way or how should they start pursuing excellence? I mean, I, th- I think that it's it's them comparing themselves to their previous self and to intentionally. I love prompts. I'm a prompt driven. I'm a prompt driven writer, prompt driven thinker, a prompt driven think- speaker. Meaning, like I think you got to be at your best during the Q and A section of a of a keynote speech when you don't know what they're going to ask. I think that's that, that's when you you actually prove if you really know your stuff. So the I think it's just setting yourself up each day with a few prompts. And, and so that could be at the end of the day saying, what did I do today to be a little bit wiser now that I'm going to bed than when I woke up? What did I do? You know, who did I talk to? What books did I read? What podcasts did I listen to? What TED Talks did I watch? Whatever it may be, what did I do to work on myself to be better? And if you can specifically answer that one question at the end of each day. And I would write this down. I read part, I read 10 pages of this book. I listened to an hour of this podcast. I watched this specific Ted talk and you actually take notes. And I do this in uh, using Google sheets, um, which is super easy to do. It doesn't take long at all. And you look at it, then look at, look at what happens over the course of a year. If you actually take notes and you, and maybe you, you, you tease out some of your learnings in another section on that sheet, whatever it may be. You will have so much stuff that you have added into your intake engine, right? Your brain to say, oh my goodness, if you're intentional. But if you, if you know at the end of each day that you're going to ask yourself that question, you want to be able to answer it with something that's useful, with something that proves that, yes, I have done work to be a little bit better. Again, that's what will compound over time. And just take the five to 10 minutes each, each night to answer that question, as well as the, the go beyond just yes or no, but what it is that you did and maybe some things you picked up, you'll be amazed at the level of knowledge and wisdom that you're adding to yourself um, by being intentional around that one question. I love the intentionality that you just mentioned. We talked right before this, how we have, we, we write notes and we put dog ears on the, on the book, but a lot of times that knowledge leak happens, but it would happen less if we actually had a Google Google sheet that we filled out information we could easily report back to and say, aha, look at that well, knowledge. You you showed me the, the the inside of my book of your handwritten notes. And then, it, it, I mean, you probably already shared this, but w- what's your process to ensure that that the, the the key learnings from the books that you read are sticky, that they actually that you actually remember them and not only remember them, but then you could implement them into your life. Like what's your process to do that? Yeah, I constantly go back through books. Uh, uh, I don't just kind of set it and forget it, right? It's not the easy bake oven of of uh, knowledge. It's constantly going back to those books, looking through the, the the front page that that is blank, full of all my questions, and then based off of those, I have on a lot of a lot of the questions that I'm asking or that I write down for the knowledge that I want to retain. I put the book number on it or the the page number. So then I can go back and, and listen and write down. And, and if I know, cause I can't, if I go back and, and I'm listening to a conversation or I have a conversation with you, Ryan, at a coffee shop and in, in Dayton, and I know that there's something I want to report back to. And I'm like, Oh, I know it's in the, it's, I know it's in the pursuit of excellence book. 
Let me get that back to you. It's an easy way for me to access that information and it saves time, it drives efficiencies and it creates value for that other or uh, the other person. And that brings that knowledge back into my noggin, kind of the, the front of mind. Hmm. Interesting. No, I, I like that. I think, again, having a system or a process in place outside of just saying, well, I'm going to read the book. Well, here's, I'm actually going to create some practical implementation of the, of what I'm learning. I think that's a key part of, of, of reading. It's not just about, and maybe there are like novels or things where you're purely reading for fun, but then you get some nonfiction in there where it's certainly hopefully fun or at least entertaining. That's the author's job. But then also there's, there's, it's useful for you to implement into your life from, from the things you're, whether it's a mindset, it's a practice, whatever it may be. I think that's, that's really important to just that extra step, right? Of whether you're folding pages, you're highlighting, you're writing in the margins, and then you go to the front page of the book that's blank and you're writing, okay, here's some highlights of this book. Cause I think I'm looking at my bookshelves. If I, if I open them up and I use mainly Kindles, but I like getting the physical uh, book as well. But if, if, if I got to see my handwritten thoughts of what this book meant to me and what I learned, and then I went back through it, maybe there are some books you reread and then you go through it. And then the next time you reread it, you're a different person than you were the first time because you've read a bunch of other books along the way. You've had other podcast interviews along the way. Maybe different things really hit you in a different way. I think that's, a, that's also a good way of learning and applying what you're learning. Yeah, I, I love that thought process too. So uh, for the listeners, I, I highly recommend you you take the time. If you're going to take the time to read a book or listen to a book, take notes along the way so that you constantly have something to report back to. So if that's Google Sheets or if that's writing in, in the margins of and, and dog earring, do something about it and then finding ways to implement that and and say, like, how is this one thing Ryan mentioned? Like, how is this making me wiser today so I can uh, pursue excellence? You know, the one question I had for you inside the book, you said, devote yourself to the process of doing things well and good outcomes will find you. It's not, has nothing to do with luck. So my question is, how do you apply this to, to the success of your podcast? With, what do you mean by? So the process, like how, how are you consistently creating a process uh, to um, make your, your podcast so successful? What, what, what are the lessons learned that you've done? As you're continuing to pursue excellence inside your podcast, what what have you done that that you wish you would have known, say, four years ago? So I, I think the one thing that I've gotten right from the beginning is consistency, and I think the quality has steadily improved. Um, if you listen back to the first ones, they're not that good, but but they're they're good enough that enough people said, "Yeah, I want to keep listening." Right. If I listen to them now, they're cringy in some cases. Some of them, though, the guests are so good, it almost doesn't matter. Um, but I, I would say that's, that's a big thing. Also, like you just cannot be afraid to be rejected and ignored. For the first couple of years, it's all outbound when it comes to getting good guests on your show. It's a hundred percent outbound. There's nobody saying, can I be on your podcast? Now that flips after a few years where then the opposite start, starts happening where you develop relationships with PR people or the people themselves come to you directly. Can I come on your show? That type of thing, right? So it's a little bit easier. I still send cold emails. I mean, my guest from this week was a cold email, Michael Easter, guy who wrote the comfort crisis, you know, his 
PR people did not come to me. I, I went to them, uh, to him directly and, and we made that happen. So I think not being afraid to be rejected, being willing to ask, not taking it personal when they, when they, when they deny you or they ignore you, right? That's one part of it. Um, constantly studying great interviewers in the world to understand why is that so good? Or how did they ask it in a way that made that answer so compelling? So always studying and iterating, not copying or being somebody that's not you, but just trying to understand how you can take bits and pieces from other people to become better at the craft of interviewing. Because interviewing, really, I think the best questions, and I say tell this to all my guests when they say, you know, any idea of questions, I say, sure, I have an outline, I have ideas, but the best questions in the world are follow-up questions. That shows, that proves that you're genuinely listening to the answer. And I cannot predict what the follow-ups are going to be. But I can promise I will try hard to be a good listener. And I will prove to you if I'm a good listener or not based upon the quality of my follow-up questions. So that's the fun challenge of this thing is you have no idea. Now, you could just script out 15 questions and read them. And some people do that. And some of them are pretty good. Like they're okay at that. That to me though, isn't fun because that's not following my curiosity. My curiosity is about listening to their answers. Yeah, I may ask a few staple questions, but for the most part, I don't know where it's going to go. They're going to kind of chart the path and then it's on me to listen and ask good questions. And so I would say that I, I, from what I've gathered, the feedback I've received is people seem to resonate with that. They like that when they write you an email and say, man, you asked just the question that I'm, that I wanted you to ask in that moment, but I couldn't think of it myself. You know, that, those types of things where you take your guests kind of on this path of that maybe they've never been on before. I think that that leads to the high quality. Combine that with extreme consistency and it gives you a chance it gives you a chance and i think that's just what i've 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 really worked hard at over the last seven years and fortunately it's 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 like i told you before it's created opportunities and open doors for um uh, meeting a lot of uh, amazing people and and doing some work that i don't know if i could have ever envisioned you know even five years ago yeah one of the things that I try to do, and I think you do as well, is, and is that follow-up question, but if, if you just strike through the 15 questions, it doesn't feel genuine most of the time. And in the relationships, it doesn't feel like it's a relationship back and forth. What my whole goal on every single podcast episode is to pretend you and I are having coffee at a coffee shop and I want somebody sitting next to us taking notes and creeping into our conversation sure. because of the back and forth that we've had. And you don't, you can't build a relationship if it's all one-sided or if it's just scripted information, you do it um, by, by actively listening to the conversation and then following up with that next, that next, uh, that next question, because that's, that's how people continue to say, oh, well, what question is he going to ask next? It's mm -hmm. not just your curiosity. It's the curiosity of the listener and what they might want to hear. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think that's that's a big part of of what keeps people coming back. Um, and, and they feel as if they're building a relationship with you, the host, to where um, there's also trust built from the listener because they 
there's a lot of guests that I have that maybe they've never heard of. If I have Simon Sinek on or or, or uh, a General Stanley McChrystal, like a lot of people have heard of them. They're famous. Uh, JJ Reddick, whoever they they'll you know they they've heard of them. A lot of people have. But there's also times where I have people on that they've never. I mean, I had one of my former bosses on who is not in really in the public eye, and I think the audience trusts me enough now over the years where they're going to listen no matter what. Um, so they 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 know that I'm going to kind of carefully vet who comes on the show, and and so they're going to listen regardless of if it's a famous person or someone they've never heard of. And I think that's another big part of it that it takes time to build that up. Um, that trust from your audience that they're listening regardless of what name is is kind of highlighted that week. I love this. This is so awesome. At the very end of every single episode, I ask uh, two questions to all my guests. And and the t- first two questions is, or the first question is, is what book or person has influenced you the most in the past year? And I'll pause there and, I'll, and then I'll ask the second one. I think um, the book... Uh, is actually about a couple of people. Um, I would say the Wright brothers by, uh, David McCullough is big. I mean, you know, I live in Dayton, they're Dayton guys, they're bicycle shops right down the street from where I am right now. Um, but if, but talk about an amazing story, right? Nobody thought they could do it. They're severely underfunded in compared to comparison to many other people, both here in the United States and abroad. And they're just tinkering in their bicycle shop here in Dayton and trying to figure things out. They would go down to Kitty Hawk and stand on sand dune, sand dunes and watch birds and try to mimic their the flight of their the wings as they're building their own wings of the first ever flying machine. And they did it. You know, they did it. Now, they also faced horrible uh, events leading up to that. People died uh, on test flights of, of, they got hurt badly themselves as they're testing out their own first flying machine. And so I think it's just an amazing story of leadership, of curiosity, of persistence, right? Of preparation, of thoughtfulness. Um, I am, I, I am biased a little bit because they're from Dayton, but it doesn't really matter. I mean, I think the Wright brothers are, are probably, uh, at the top of that list. And that's just the title of the book. And McCullough is one of the greatest storytellers of our lifetime. And so I, it's, it's pretty smart to gobble up all of his stuff, but that's the, that's at the top of the list for me currently. That's great. I'm going to have to definitely check that one out. The second question I have for you is if you could leave a note to all customer service professionals and, and think about that for a minute and, and it's going to hit everybody's desk Monday at 8am, what would it say? Be human. I love when I speak with someone who's a customer support person who who they're not robotic. They're actually human. And I also hope that their leadership gives them some power to do stuff, right? Whether it's send a unique gift or 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 give a credit without having to go to seven different people or just to replace the thing. You know, I think one of the reasons that Amazon is so good is because it's so easy to return something if it doesn't fit. Like I buy shoes, I buy clothes, I buy everything, right? They, they've made it so easy to return it. So you don't really hesitate to buy it because you're like, oh, it's no big deal to return it. Think about that. Like they've made buying easy. And I think that is a great mindset of thinking. I think other people try that. I, I try to make working with me really easy. And I think I learned that from from how easy it is to buy and return stuff from Amazon. So I would say, one, 
Be human. If you're actually talking to a person, be a person. Don't be robotic. I know you got scripts and stuff like that, but try to be human. I hope that I would tell the leaders to empower them to do things that maybe don't make sense to take care of their customers, whether that's, again, send a gift, whatever, but, but empower them to be human beings. And then two, make it easy. Make it easy to buy and return. Make it easy to, to work with you. I think that, that goes a long way. Sound sound advice right there. Uh, Ryan, what's the best way for my listeners to to connect with you? Learningleader.com is really my home base for everything. That's that's my website where my podcasts, my books, everything I do, keynote speaking is all at uh, learningleader.com. Love it. Uh, to all my listeners, The Pursuit of Excellence, The Uncommon Behavior, The World's Most Productive Achievers, buy this book today, subscribe to his podcast like, share, comment, review, uh, do the, do your thing. Uh, Ryan, thanks so much for your time. I had a blast. I learned a bunch and I continue and looking forward to learning from you. Thanks so much, Nick. Appreciate it, man. Hey listeners, can you think of one person who would benefit from the information you learned today? If so, please consider sharing this episode with them. And last, if you would like to receive all the quotes and book recommendations from all my guests, you can go to pressonefornick.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of Press 1 for Nick. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share. Until next time, focus on your customers. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.